There is a podcast for everyone out there, but from the viewpoint of the male executive assistant, not so much. So here we go. Hello, ladies, and hello, gentlemen. Welcome. I'm your host, Jonathan Brickwood, and I've been an assistant for more than 20 years. Being a man in what is decidedly a role filled by women has put me in some insightful, some hilarious, and certainly some very unique situations. During this podcast, I plan to share many of those experiences, as well as some of the tips and tricks and the do's and the don'ts that I've learned over the years, which is my way to bring a new perspective on an old profession. Whether you are a receptionist, a secretary, an executive assistant, somewhere above, below, or in between, retired, starting out, or mid-career, I hope that you find some enjoyment and something interesting from my ramblings. So please join me, ladies, and of course the gentlemen, as I bring you into my world, the world of the male admin, on my podcast, Hello Ladies, Perspectives from a Male Admin. Welcome back. I'm Jonathan Brickwood, and this is episode three of Hello Ladies, Perspectives from a Male Admin. On this week's episode, a role not defined by a title, where I'll be delving into the myriad of titles covering the role of the admin. I'll also be touching on some of the history, and I have a story to tell too. Thank you for joining my podcast and, of course, for your support. Starting this week, you can now find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and TuneIn. I have also started complimentary Instagram and TikTok profiles under the username of Hello Ladies Podcast, which is all one word, where I will be posting some behind-the-scenes footage of each episode and outtakes. So without further introduction, here we go. Into my world, the world of the male admin. One of the first things that I've had to explain to people over the years is that the role of the admin goes by many titles. Some titles, like executive assistant or administrative assistant, are clear and direct. But titles like project assistant, administrative coordinator, or even chief of staff all draw on aspects of the admin. I will now delve into a few that I've held in the past. My first was business services assistant. My grand job consisted of maintaining files of client records, which arrived every day from the print house. Around 20 boxes of tractor-fed printer paper records, which I would have to split and sort and distribute and file. I had a small square cubicle near the file cabinets where I would spend the day splitting, stapling and filing the reports and also occasionally photocopying them. For my first real job, when I was only 19, I look back on it fondly. But in some ways, I also look back on it in a rather maudlin and sad view. Because anyone now who would be in the same position as I was in then, getting their first job, because everything now is done digitally, no one would have this type of position and get the joy of seeing those boxes slowly empty of printer paper. 
I managed to streamline the process over the eight months while I was in that role. I got my manager to get the reports categorized and alphabetized by client before printing so that when I got them, they were already in alphabetical order. And that meant that I no longer had to spend half of my day sorting the files into client before filing them away which made the filing much more efficient and fast and freed me up to help out with other tasks. I got paid around $12 an hour for that job and that was in the year 2000. Minimum wage in Ontario at that time was around $9 an hour, so I think I did that fairly well. That job rolled into my first acting role as an acting executive administrative assistant. At that company, all assistants were administrative assistants unless you supported a management team member, that is, any of the senior vice presidents or C-suite officers, in which case you got the additional prefix of executive added to administrative assistant. It also entitled me to an L-shaped cubicle and three large filing cabinets all to my own. I was in that role for about three months and implemented a couple of processes which the permanent admin retained when she returned. For that, I got paid about $15 an hour. After that, I spent a couple of years at an educational nonprofit where I held the title of Program Coordinator, where I did exactly what it sounds like I did. I coordinated a program. It wasn't a traditional admin role, but I had a lot of contact with clients signing up for the program and a lot of experience with editing and proofreading and the compiling of educational course materials. It was also where I learned the value of keeping my own personal telephone call records. When you're spending six of your eight hours on the phone with various people, companies, and clients, it's incredibly valuable to keep track of all those calls. So when someone accuses you of not calling them back and they go to your boss about it, you can pull out your call record and go, well... I have it in my records that I left you a voicemail on X date and X date and X date, but I never got a call back. It saved me a couple of times, and now with almost everything done on email, Teams, or on cells, all my calls and communications are recorded electronically, so I no longer keep a physical record, but occasionally for any specific records or any calls that I'm doing on behalf of someone else, I always make sure that I write down in my notebook. That was my first salaried job. I think it was around $35,000 a year. I then moved on to another company where I was senior administrative assistant. Here, the senior denoted that I supported more than one person and that they were directly reporting into a leadership team member or a C-suite member. After that, I moved to another company where I was an administrative assistant, and then I became, at another company, administrative assistant and office coordinator. I now hold the title of executive assistant, and again, at my company, the senior tends to be reserved for those supporting a management team member. I've never been too fixated on my title. I know people who love saying that they're this position or that role, but for me it's been about the job I do, not the title I hold. When I was the office coordinator, I pretty much ran my boss's office and her department. I was more than just her admin. I was effectively her office manager. 
I did the budget, attendance, expenses, and jumped in to help all of the other admins who were informally under my guidance whenever they needed help. I also had the receptionists reporting directly into me. So that was my first experience doing performance reviews and hiring from the other side of the table. This has just been a few of the titles that I've held, but it's not a comprehensive list of all of the titles that are out there for an admin. In 2018, the IAAP, the International Association of Administrative Professionals, did a study on the state of the profession. As a part of that study, it had respondents include their current title. That list contained more than 500 variations of titles encompassing the role of the admin, some of which are academic assistant, account executive, admin partner, admin specialist, administrative and office specialist, administrative clerk, administrative coordinator, administrative manager, administrative secretary, board administrator, board coordinator, board of directors secretary, business analyst, business manager, business office administrator, business office supervisor, business service specialist, chief administrative officer, chief executive assistant, chief of staff, confidential assistant, confidential executive assistant, coordinator, corporate supports assistant, criminal secretary, database administrator, division administrator, division secretary, engineering administrative assistant, yes, engineering administrative assistant, executive and board administrator, executive and personal assistant, executive aide, executive assistant team lead, executive coordinator, executive office assistant, executive personal assistant, executive secretary, finance assistant, HR administrator, legal administrative assistant, legal secretary, legislative executive assistant, office administrative coordinator, office assistant, level one, level two, level three, level four, and level five, office coordinator, office manager, office services coordinator, operations administrator, operations supervisor, payroll administrator, police administrative coordinator, principal administrative assistant, principal private secretary, project management assistant, projects coordinator, registration and records assistant, scheduling coordinator, school secretary, senior administrative specialist, senior clerk stenographer, senior HR assistant, and senior lead executive assistant. Suffice it to say, being an admin is more than the title. It is the type of role, no matter the level, no matter the age, and no matter the country, industry, or pay. Though the pay is helpful. Oh, and I left one title off the list earlier. But the title that started it all, the one title that every single one of these roles is built off of, that role is the secretary. The role of the secretary, of the admin, has always been around, not necessarily by the specific title, but by the type of work. Historically, there has always been some type of administrator, some type of secretary. 
The word itself is derived from secret or cesserner in Latin, meaning to distinguish or to set apart. Secret itself, defined as not known or seen, or not meant to be known or seen by others, or something that is kept or meant to be kept unknown or unseen by others, which almost perfectly encompasses the entire role of the admin. The role of the assistant or of the secretary can be documented in written form to at least 1625, when Francis Bacon, the English philosopher, wrote, that which is most of all profitable is acquaintance with the secretaries and employed men of ambassadors. In the centuries that followed, men would continue to hold the role of a secretary, the role which was defined as a person employed by an individual or in an office to assist with correspondence, to keep records, make appointments, and carry out similar tasks. You could find the role of the admin or the secretary from Rome through to the Renaissance, where the secretary was a man to a powerful man and who handled their affairs. After the Renaissance, the status of secretary became a well-respected and important role to which personal or private was added. The nobility has always had a secretary, notably and usually a member of their family, sometimes their heir. The king, King Charles III, has his principal private secretary, currently Sir Clive Alderton, who had been the deputy private secretary to Queen Elizabeth II's private secretary. Of course, the private secretary needs his deputies, and those deputies need assistant private secretaries. All senior members of the royal family have their own private secretaries and offices to go along with them. I'm just going to divert slightly off topic here because I just finished watching and reading Red, White and Royal Blue, which is very popular and uh, right at this time as this is coming out in August of 2023. there was some critique in the movie and in the book about how the young Prince Henry has an equerry, and people were critiquing it as him not having a private secretary. Well, it's, it's relatively accurate. I mean, he could have had a private secretary, or he could have had an equerry, or he could have had both, or he could have had neither. In my view, though, it takes place in a divergent reality from ours, where anything could happen. And so I don't begrudge the Prince Henry in red, white, and royal blue for having an equerry and not a private secretary. And anyway, the name and the term equerry sounds much better than private secretary and people would understand it better, especially since the equerry to Prince Henry is a man. Returning, though, to this week's podcast, even though I could do a whole podcast on red, white, and royal blue... Senior members of the royal family do all have their own private secretaries, as I said, and they also have offices to go along with them. Senior members of the nobility of government and even private individuals in any country, not just England, Canada, the United States, can have and do have secretaries or secretariats to support them and their role. It was during the Industrial Revolution in which the shift from the role being only men to being men and women began. 
This was when offices saw the start of office machines, the typewriter, which was invented in 1870s, in the 1870s, particularly contributed to this. Then, between 1880 and the 1900s, the development of the telephone, carbon paper, mimeograph machine, adding machine, dictation machine, and stenographic machine further sped up this process. All of these would ease the transition of administrative work from a highly specialized role, which it was up to that point, into something anyone could do. I say anyone could do in quotes because some of the older documentation and some of the older pamphlets about how easy it was is ends with anyone can do it even a woman as an aside i will just note that dictation machines are not in fact all called a dictaphone Dictaphone is a brand like Kleenex or Post-its or Xerox. It was, at that time, the most common dictation machine, so they were all called Dictaphone. I bring this up because it becomes pertinent in a few minutes, or at least is referenced again in a few minutes. The two world wars further accelerated the shift from the male to the female assistant, and this would increase incrementally until the present day, so much so that women now dominate the field, comprising of around 81% of the administrative workforce, including in all of those titles I talked about earlier. The introduction of computers, though, completely changed the work of the admin, so that Truly, anyone can do it. The CEO, the CFO, the executive assistant, the admin, the junior talent, the junior HR person, everyone now is able to do admin work, as evidenced by the fact that we all now do emails, which would originally have been, take a memo. The foundation of the National Secretaries Association, now known as the International Association of Administrative Professionals, the IAAP, in 1942 marked the start of support and professional organization and professional support for the supporters. The then NSA was the first organization in North America dedicated to the secretary. It began in Kansas City, Missouri and held its first convention just after World War II in 1945. There were 200 attendees. At that time, when it was originally founded, the membership was only open to women. In 1952, the then NSA, along with the Dictaphone Corporation and Young and Rubicam, the advertising agency now known as VML, Y, and R, teamed up to promote the first National Secretaries Week. That week, that would be rebranded as Professional Secretaries Week, and eventually to what it is now as Administrative Professionals Week, is the fourth week in April, with Administrative Professionals Day being the Wednesday of that week. The week was to recognize all of the then secretaries, now admin professionals, who support everyone and every corporation. It was at the 1967 convention of the then NSA that the membership voted to allow men to join, and the first men would then join six weeks later. Men now comprise about 18% of the membership of the association, myself included. Though currently no men sit on the IAAP executive board or on the board of the foundation. 
The IAAP, though, is not the only association available for membership by the administrant, but it is the most recognized in North America. The fact, though, that its age is actually overshadowed by the London-founded Institute of Administrative Management, or the IAM, which has been in existence since 1915. The IAM was founded by executives at the London School of Economics, aimed to share best practices of administration among companies. It has since expanded into more of an encompassing professional body for administrative and business managers. Membership is open to administrators, personal assistants, virtual assistants, office managers, administrative managers, and business leaders. There are also classes of membership ranging from student and affiliate to companion, depending on your current role or your title. There are around 17,000 members of the IAM, which I believe would include all international members, of which I am one. I'll conclude this week's podcast with a short story and a piece of advice. I had been on a short-term contract at a company in, let's say, the manager's department. And while I was there, I had befriended the SVP's admin. This was the manager's boss's boss. The admin and I happened to arrive regularly at the same time, so we started to speak. And then eventually we would have lunch together. And through her, I got to know the SVP, who coincidentally lived only a few blocks from where I had lived at the time. Over the course of a few months, I got to know the EA really well, and when I had the free time, I would help her out with tasks. This was a bit to the ire of my manager, who felt that her department was paying me so I shouldn't be doing work outside of that department, or at the very least, I shouldn't be away from my desk so that she would be able to find me at any time. Despite the fact that had I just been sitting at my desk, I would have been sitting there doing nothing, or doing make work projects rather than being useful. This particular manager also, I learned later, had designs on becoming the comptroller for the company, a role that also reported into the SVP, but one to which she was not yet qualified for. This is probably why she ruled, and I use that in a very bolded, italic, underlined, quoted font, her department under more of an iron thumb than was actually necessary for a billing department for institutional clients. Eventually, as my contract was coming to an end, the EA approached me and asked if I would be interested in covering her desk for the SVP for a couple of months while she took a leave of absence. The SVP was very supportive of this, and so I readily agreed, and I finished up my contract, and about two weeks later, I returned as um, acting EA to the SVP. Of course, no one had told the manager that I'd be returning. There was no requirement to do so. She was just very and totally shocked when she found me sitting outside her boss's boss's office one day when she came for a meeting. In fact, I had to stop her from walking into the empty office. He had been delayed at a previous meeting, and I asked her to sit in one of the chairs outside the office to wait. 
in retrospect, I realized that she seemed very uncomfortable and didn't quite know how to respond to me. But when I was in that role, I was still quite young. It was one of my first positions, and I wasn't very good yet at reading body language. And so she was probably very uncomfortable with the fact that me, who had reported to her previously, she now had to go through to get to the SVP. In retrospect, and knowing that I never really understood what was going on, there was a point when I learned that she just had a disdain for the junior staff. So it wasn't just me. It was especially for those who worked in the finance departments that didn't have finance qualifications. And that was me. I didn't have one. I still don't. And I don't plan to, having talked previously about my um, wonderfully uh, mental capacity for math. The manager never really came around to respect me, but she did, after several weeks, concede that I had become the gatekeeper to the SVP and begrudgingly accepted that she had to go through me to get to him. I tell this story mainly because I think about it for two reasons. The first is is that the admin is the executive's gatekeeper. We are the ones who keep them able to do what they need to do and keep them from excess distraction, which includes people popping by for a chat, people coming in to talk nonsense, people coming by for a meeting off the cuff just because they saw that the door was open. And the second reason is that you never know when you're going to encounter a coworker again in a different role, be it as your new boss or as part of the leadership team, or in this case, as someone you need to be nice to in order to get a word in with the SVP. Now, my piece of advice is never, under any circumstances, ostracize, alienate, underestimate, or denigrate the admin, because we are the gatekeepers. We know more than people think we do, and if we wanted to, we could gatekeep everyone out of the executive's office, which sometimes I have had to do on orders of my exec. Uh, If she's working on a project or there is a particularly heavy meeting coming up, I do. I have to gatekeep people away from the door. Um, There may be situations where people think that I'm gatekeeping them away because I don't like them. Uh, That's not necessarily true. Just because I don't like you doesn't mean I'm going to gatekeep you away from the executive. I mean, I'm not petty. I'm professional. That being said, every admin and every exec has had that conversation on who should and should not be gatekeeped in or out of their office at any given time. If they're working on certain projects or if there are HR matters, there will always be someone at some point who needs to be kept away from the door. But I'm not petty. I am professional. So we've come to the end of episode three. I would like to again thank you for joining me this week, and I hope that you have found something of what I said interesting and humorous. Next week's episode will be the first of a two-part episode on supporting styles. I will begin talking about supporting during the pandemic, supporting the new manager, and supporting the micromanager. The following week, in episode five, I will talk about supporting multiple executives, filling in for other EAs, and what admins do when we support each other. 
Also, as I said at the start, beginning this week, I have complimentary TikTok and Instagram accounts under the username of Hello Ladies Podcast, all one word, where you can find some behind the scenes and additional content of the recording of this episode, including the outtake where I sneezed. And so please enjoy the loss of my decorum and of my composure. I'm looking forward to recording the next two episodes, and I have enjoyed recording these first three, and so I hope you are equally looking forward to listening to them. So, until next time, have a great week. I'm Jonathan Brickwood, and this has been the perspective of a male admin.